Did you now, put this Schoolboy Q video up? Yes. That's interesting. Do you know who Schoolboy Q is? No, no clue. Okay. Welcome to episode number 28 of Music Video Land podcast. Of what? Mu- music Video Land podcast. That's um, the one that you and I are, that you and I do every week. It's, it's always not, been that, that way. That's not the name that I've come to know it by. Hmm. Uh, it's weird. It's weird for you. It is weird for me. So what's that name again? If you could just repeat that for me one more it's, time. It's uh, Music Video Land Music video land. Who's and that's hosted by. That's hosted by. That's me, Adam Fairholm, and then and then you, Doug Klinger. That's me. Okay, cool. So uh, I feel like I'm up to speed now. Right. Now I, I guess we could men- we could mention that we did change the name of the podcast. Yeah, we could stop being coy. I guess. Although that is, people say that they they love that about us. They write in and they say, "You guys are so coy. I love that about you guys." Yeah. Right. Uh, we do have a lot of people writing in uh, stuff to us, which is weird that we would change the name because of our huge following. Right. Now, so I guess we should, like we mentioned, we're changing the name of the podcast. We're changing a few other things about the podcast. Uh, you know, just some some little things here and there for, uh, you know, that our regular listeners may may notice. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, the Music Video Land is a podcast where Doug and I talk about Music videos, music video history, news, things going on in the uh, industry and culture around music videos, as well as talk to people who are making music videos, um, producing them, involved with them in some way. And on this episode of Music Video Land, we have a director, Isaac Ravishankara, who is uh, a director of music videos, but also uh, really the guy behind the OMG Everywhere movement. Uh, that we've been talking about, and a lot of the directors we've talked about have been involved with that, and he's going to talk a little bit about the genesis of that um, program and, and, and the direction that it's going. And besides, uh, uh, you know, and besides OMG Everywhere, uh, Isaac is a fantastic music video director. If you've seen a music video by 303, he's probably directed it um, from Don't Trust Me to My First Kiss to Touching on My... Uh, and he's also directed some great videos for Never Shout Never, The Ready Set, Atmosphere, Active Child, um, and Hello Goodbye, as well as uh, the remix, The Ain't No Sunshine, Michael Jackson uh, remix by Benny Blanco. So we're gonna get that to him. That it, it, we're gonna get to that in a minute. Um, but it's funny that you said the word Genesis. That is funny, Doug. You know, everybody has uh, a genesis, a beginning, and filmed insert when we started in 2011 had a very humble beginning. There wasn't really much on the site, and everybody's got to start somewhere. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we love about Isaac's filmography or his videography is his first video is really fantastically entertaining, and that's for uh, Holler Till You Pass Out. 
by 303 and we'll let him tell the story about uh, that video during the interview but that got us thinking about firsts for other music video directors that's right we were thinking about that that topic especially the first for some music video directors that are household names uh right you know we we ask we ask a lot of the people that we interview who they're uh, who who inspired them to be music video directors who they kind of pull from for inspiration and very often you'll hear one or uh, or both of these two names which are uh, Spike Jones or Michelle Gondry. So we thought we'd take a look at some of the first music videos for a few of these people and if you go to the show notes if you go to filmedinsert.com click podcast right at the top or just go to filmedinsert.com slash podcast you'll see this episode and then we list all the links we talk about during the episode right there um so we've got links to the videos that we're talking about here and the first one that we want to talk about is uh as we mentioned a director that everybody is probably familiar with uh michelle gondry's first video uh, which is for uh, a band called Wee oui, Wee, oui, O-U-I, O-U-I, Michelle Gondry is French, so that makes sense. And the title is in French, it's Junior Etza Voidor, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And it's from I'd all... Be I'd be impressed if you are, because that's a tough one. That is a tough one, it's especially the V-O-I-X. Uh, and this is from 1988, and uh, it's a very, uh, it definitely has that Gondry style to it, the, the the uh, video is um, has puppets, uh, and I think one of the you know the the visuals aren't that odd. It's very much like a French kind of puppet thing. Um, you know, anybody who's sort of even vaguely familiar with uh, France, when they think of France, will probably think of uh, baguettes and mimes and things like that. But you also think of little puppet shows, maybe. And this is kind of like one of those. And I think the weird thing is the uh, music, which is. I don't know. It's very difficult to describe. You'll have to watch it. It's this very high-pitched kind of odd thing. Um, and the reason that uh, Gondry did this video is that he was actually in this band, Wee Wee, uh, way back in the day. Um, he was uh, actually the drummer, I believe. Um, and you find that you find that with a lot of music video directors early on, the videos that they work on are by artists that they're either in the band, in the case of Michelle Gondry, or they're close friends with the band, uh, in the case of, um, you know, a lot of people, Kevin Slack, uh, Jason Goldwatch, uh, you know, Isaac Revishankara, all of those people, you know, had a close relationship with the band first, and then they made the music video, you know, the early on work, music videos, and uh, that kind of propelled them forward. So it's, it's not an uncommon occurrence. Definitely. And I think that, uh, yeah, there's definitely a common thread that will run through these. And uh, another thing that we should mark for each of these is whether the uh, owner of the video sort of uh, passively, aggressively disowned it or not. Uh, so for this <laughs> one, uh, for the Michelle Gundry Wee Wee uh, video, he has not disowned it. It actually appeared on volume three of the work of director Michelle Gondry. Um Alongside videos like The Hardest Button to Button by the White Stripes, um, Deadweight by Beck, Everlong by the Foo Fighters. So um, he, he, he did uh, a, a many videos for a wee wee, um, and six of them are on this third uh, volume of the work of director Michel Gondry. 
So he did not feel ashamed of it. Now, it's actually a pretty good music video. I mean, it's not. It's nineteen eighty eight, so it's coming from a different time, and it's also coming from France. But um, the, the the next video, it's got that it's got that Gondry charm though, and those the same kind of in camera effects that you see, and it it's definitely that piece that although low budget could convince someone with a budget to you know give right. you money to make music videos, exactly. which is kind of the game. That's the game. That's the game we're all in. Um, now, the next one that I wanted to bring up is Hype Williams, because this is a director that obviously is working now. We just uh, a few podcasts ago we talked about his video for Stupid Ho, and uh, I, I was just over the weekend watching the Mo Money Mo Problems video from 1997, which is a r- really classic video. Um, he's done a lot of work for Kanye West. You know, if if you're familiar with the music videos, you're probably familiar with Hype Williams. But he has a ton, ton of work with Jay Z and oh, any, yeah. any of the hip hop, any hip hop artists you could think of. Right. But his first video um, is probably my favorite of the first video collection here, and that is for an artist you probably have not heard of, um, BWP. Would you like to take a stab at what BWP uh, is stands for, Doug? Oh man. Uh... No, that's bitches with problems, but Man, not. But that was so close to what I would have would have guessed. But okay. they're a little different. It's bitches with a Y, B Y T C H E S. Naturally, um, and this is from 1992. This is the first uh, the first video he directed. The only one he directed in 1992. Um, and bitches with problems are two ladies who have problems, and the video consists of them sort of driving around their neighborhood. Uh, yelling at various males that they want money. It's not the, uh, not really uh, uh, representative of Hype Williams' later work. It's really, I mean, there's really no stylistic or content uh, themes that Hype Williams, you know, became so famous for later. There's not any sort of quality. There's not any sort of. Um, it looks like. Uh, you know, many many hip hop videos from the like nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety three. Um. Yeah. So there's no bright colors. Is that what you're saying? And no, uh, big big uh, yachts. No, there is no yachts. They are driving around in what appears to be a, it's an open top jeep. Man. Which which <laughs> for which to be fair, were, were they were very popular in nineteen ninety two, and then they continue to be. There 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 is longevity in open top jeeps. Okay, so the best thing about bitches with problems, is go to their um, Wikipedia page, and the first line just cracks me up. It says BWP, short for bitches with problems, was a female rap group duo that consisted of Linda and Tanisha. Just their first names, so like we're like we know who they are. <laughs> It's like, oh. <laughs> oh, <And> those two. <laughs> At it again. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I they're think, often I think... referred to as a female version of Two Live Crew, if you remember Two Live Crew. Uh, that might be a stretch. Um... <laughs> now, um, the group released... Here's, here's the, I love this group. The group, group released the successful album, The Bitches. Uh, I believe that was 1992. Um the follow-up album, 1993's "Life's a Bitch," of course spelled B Y T H C, however, was never released. So, so, so. Oh man! No, I do not quotes. know. Oh, it's all right. Go ahead. 
The labels just held them back, I guess. I guess so. I, I mean, I do not know if Hype Williams is has disowned this video or not. If I was him, I probably would. He's probably not too proud to have it in his discography. I don't believe it appears in any Hype Williams compendiums, or I don't think he's really mentioned it. But it, uh, if you happen to run into Hype Williams, then you should ask him about bitches with problems. Yeah, definitely ask him about that. Don't ask him about Speed Racer. No. Whatever you do. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't ask about Speed Racer. Uh, I think we should uh, 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 tick through a couple of other firsts that I think uh, people should take a look at. Sounds if good. They like, if they like music videos and or directors. Correct. And or uh, not both, um, which is what and or means. Uh, Spike Jones' first video, according to Wikipedia, is by a band called Chainsaw Kittens, and the song is High in High School. And uh, <laughs> the uh, subject matter deals with uh, much of what you would believe it would deal with. But I think you see some of uh, some of what Spike Jones is known for in this music video, some of the um, kind of handheld style, fisheye lensy stuff that he does. It's a horrible description of Spike Jones's work, but, uh, but the fisheye lens is definitely something that people like immediately uh, uh, identify with. Yeah, 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 definitely, and and like kind of, um, yeah, kind of like low, like weird angles and and stuff, like like low angles and and uh, anyway, check it out is what I say. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's a very straight kind of performance live video nothing really exciting there yeah and then they're just kind of like walking around a high school pretending like smoking a joint <laughs> like nobody's in me smoking a joint and they're like walking around a school uh in it with a fisheye lens so you definitely see that and um, uh, uh well has he ha, do you believe that uh that mr jones would indeed uh, disown this video uh i mean i don't i don't know i don't know him personally i think that it i think that it is uh it certainly has some of the same kind of, you know, like I said, it's got some identifiably Spike Jonesian techniques in there. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't see why not. I don't see why not, unless like that band like did something negative towards him or something. Um, the last video we want to talk about is Mark Romanek, who is an absurdly famous uh, music video director. Um, for some for like 99 problems the jay-z video from 2004 um scream the most expensive music video ever made 1995 he directed that um as well as criminal fiona apple 1997 and devil's haircut uh, by back in 1996 that's just a very very few a smattering of uh of his music video stuff he has like all these directors that we're talking about has a very extensive catalog his first video is for a band called The The, and the song is a sweet bird of truth. And this is before. I think it's The The. Right, right. The The. And this is from uh, earlier than anybody else we've been talking about. And this is from 1986. And for a first music video, it's actually a very, very ambitious undertaking. It is a little bit of. A, if you've ever seen. Um, well, many film stu- students, uh, you know, attempts at making like post-apocalyptic uh, short films. This looks very much like uh, many of those. Um, uh, it's difficult to describe by all, like all these videos. Go take go take a look. Um, but it, it it has this sort of 
post you know post apocalyptic or even even post World War Two maybe uh, look to it with building ruins and um, the sort of bleak landscape. It's partially in black and white, partially in color. Um, but I think one of the most important things here is that this probably more than any other of the videos of the of the main directors, the first videos of the big directors that we're talking about, really has the hallmarks of the Mark Romanek style. It actually looks very, very similar to the Jay-Z 99 Problems video. Uh, you're kind of looking at, uh, there's these uh, locked off shots of, of different things. Um, very Mark Romanesque shot is a slow motion, this isn't black and white, a slow motion uh, you know, barely alive fish being dropped into a ditch with a puddle and flopping around. Um, it's very cinematic and and very uh, very del deliberate. So you can kind of look at this and say that's it, it, you know you maybe you can't pinpoint why sometimes it's difficult to do that kind of thing, but uh, it definitely has that Mark Romanek style to it um, and I, I don't believe he would uh, you know his name is actually not really attached to this video anywhere um, if, if, if you look it up almost nobody lists him as a director if they have a, this video listed in there on, on their website somewhere except us of course uh, but it definitely is his first video and um, there you have it it's probably my favorite out of the four that we talked about aside for, except for bitches we uh, bitches with problems right and I think we named more than four, but any, any, any whom, uh, you know what? It's, I think I think uh, we should uh, swing this puppy back around to a little three-point turn, mm -hmm. and um, pull it, pull it pull it back into interview our mode. Interview. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this interview, uh, our interview for this episode is like we mentioned, music video director Isaac Ravishankara. And uh, go check out his work on the site. Uh, the videos that we're going to mention in the interview include pretty much all the 303 videos. Definitely check out uh, Holler Till You Pass Out um, by 303, The Last to Stay by Say by Atmosphere, um, as well as the two Ready, Set, Go videos. Um, and, a, and also My First Kiss by Kesha. Ready, which, set. Ready, set. What did I say? Ready, set, go. Oh, the ready, set, yes. Um... And uh, anyway, here we go. It's our interview with uh, music video director Isaac Ravishankara. My name is Isaac Ravishankara. Uh, I direct music videos and try to do other things. Is that good? Let's try that again. Hey, I'm Isaac Harvey Shankara, and I direct music videos and try to do other things. And, uh, I mean, I heard you interviewed once, and you, you described yourself as a music video director, which is which is great. I mean, that's that's the bulk of what you're doing right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, try, like I said, trying to do some other things, but um, for the last like, year and a half, two years or so, it's kind of been the bulk of what I have my hands in professionally. And you're based in based out of Brooklyn, New York, and you're in LA right now. Do you do you when you shoot music videos? Are you, are you mostly traveling to LA to do those, or do you shoot a lot in Brooklyn as well? Um, I tend to shoot a lot in Brooklyn. Uh, I'd say I'd say it's been about two thirds, one third, New mm -hmm. York to LA. Um, 
yeah, um, I'm I'm signed to Danielle Doomsday Entertainment, which is based out here, and as you guys probably know, like a whole lot of the industry in general is based out of here. So here being LA. Yeah, we've and we've um, we've been uh, acquainted with many of uh, of of Danielle's crew. It's it, it's also through the uh, OMG cameras everywhere. Every every director we've talked to in the past few week few weeks we've discovered is is part of that. And we understand you were one of the originators of that, correct? Yeah, I tried to rope everyone I knew into it. <laughs> um, I'm really I'm really kind of like it, it's been surprising to me since I kind of started I guess end up knowing other people or like being more a part of the the professional collective of people who are directing music videos like how little um communication and like collaboration there was between people um hmm. it's like everyone everyone's kind of friends but everyone's like kind of doing their own thing by necessity because like not everyone is directing everyone else's videos you know right and i think like especially with the whole like treatment writing process and people are like there's a, there's a certain amount of competition that's built into the whole thing of like there's a video and more than one person is writing a treatment for it and so like I don't know. I'm I'm really trying to get everyone to just like hang out and do stuff together more. Um, so so yeah. Um, when we started the OMG thing, it was kind of just like getting everyone I knew and everyone I had met and just kind of telling everyone about it. It was an easy sell. Everyone, no one's been like, Meh, I don't think so. <laughs> and how? In um, uh, what other ways are you looking to kind of get that community communicating with each other more? Um, well, that, that's my main one right now. That's kind of the main reason I'm out in LA right now. I'm not actually out here for a shoot. It's, it's really to to get the OMG thing going. Um, we started last last year as a it was just like a summer program over the summer. It was just kind of an idea I had a while back, and then started reaching out to people. The first person I reached out to was Dan Kwan of Daniels, who's who I met um, like a year and a half ago, and then um, Matt Amato, who runs the masses. Um, and then it kind of snowballed from there. Um, but but I'm at, but we had the summer camp and it went really well. And then and now we're we're turning the whole thing into a into a nonprofit. Well, we we, we are a nonprofit now. Um, so yeah, I'd love I'd love to go on and on about that if you guys will let me. I'm kind of like super proud dad about about the whole thing. That's kind of exactly what we'd like you to do if if you would. No, so the basic idea was that. Um, kids are really awesome, and I think, like I said, I think there's a certain amount of, of professional jadedness that I found has come up with what happens when myself or other people are, are primarily directing music videos and competing for these jobs and stuff against each other. Um, and you, it, it's really easy to lose track of, of how fun it is, what we get to do, which is essentially like make these awesome creative ideas for music that you think is cool to some degree or like music in general and and pretty much just get to like create for a living it's it's kind of like unfairly fun um and it's really easy to lose track of that when you're when you're doing it professionally so um it was about kind of bringing those two things together initially that was the idea and then um so yeah so so just started kind of roping other people together um Quan and i kind of started with the idea that it would be really fun to do a summer camp where we would make movies with kids. Um, we didn't set out to do music videos first. It was going to be like teaching kids how to make movies um, and see like how far we could get trying summer camp this last summer. And if we didn't end up having it happen, 
then the idea was that we would like have run into roadblocks that we would have a year to figure out so we could do it this coming summer. Um, but so many great people ended up kind of coming on board and having it, making it happen. Um, like I said, like Dan got other Daniel, um, Dan Shiner on board. And then um, my, my good friend, Matt Amato, kind of leveraged his whole company, the whole collective of the masses, which are all of these amazing directors, as well as Jack um, Richardson, their, their CFO. And then um, more and more people started joining, in, joining into it. And they were all people who I had met recently or Dan had met and, and have all the music video directors. Um, but the other thing that we kind of realized as we were, we were planning the whole thing was that music videos are a great introduction to filmmaking, um, especially for really young kids, because the, the variables are so limited. Um, essentially, you need images, and then you can put a song under it, and you don't make the song even necessarily, and you have a music video. And so you don't have to think about recording dialogue or doing shot, reverse shot, and being able to tell a narrative and having to write that narrative or anything, really. Like, there's no rules for a music video other than the the name, the music and the video. And so um, we, we, we kind of rolled with that and decided it would be really good to just spend the week focusing on making music videos with kids. And, and going so, forward, what, I mean, you, you mentioned that you're a nonprofit now. What's the, what's the plan going forward? Will it be a, a, a summerly thing, you know, on an ongoing basis? Um, yeah, so, so the, the basic idea, um, like I said, was to teach kids how to make movies. Um, and then we had two things that happened simultaneously that kind of, I think, in my mind, really changed um, the fundamental of who we are and what we're doing. Um, we needed money on the whole thing. And so we, reached, we, we decided, after kind of like looking into some different options, um, I had a friend who had just funded an album recording through this project, Kickstarter. And if you guys don't know about it, it's basically, it's an organization where you can, they, they connect artists with, funding based on donations, like small donations from friends and family and whoever they reach out to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so different people will donate whatever they want to. And then at some point, if your funding goal that you've set is reached, then all of the donations go through. And if it's not, then no one ends up donating anything. So you're, you're only donating to a project that is going to happen, which is great. Um, but part of, part of Kickstarter's stipulation so that they don't work with nonprofits, they don't work with charities, they're just about funding artistic projects. Um, we kind of had to rework our idea a little bit to fit within the Kickstarter guidelines and change what we were doing in a level way, um, at least wording-wise, to be that we were a group of directors who were looking to make this screening, this this uh, this project going to be the screening happening of a bunch of work in which we would collaborate with kids on music videos. Um, so it became something, at least in... Uh, on paper, where it wouldn't be teaching kids how to make music videos, it would be directors collaborating with kids to make music videos as mm-hmm. an artistic endeavor. And also, we just ended up getting so many um, directors and great people who wanted to help out and be a part of the the camp and the week or the project or whatever you call it. Um, after going into it, that by the time the week started, we essentially had a race of almost like two directors for every three kids. And these are like professional working music video directors. And um, so that really went hand in hand with this collaborative idea. It was much more during the week about directors and kids collaborating on making music videos versus 
this top-down tabula rasa, kids are a blank slate, you have to teach them how to do it thing. Um, And and, and so that, it, it really changed kind of what we did over the course of the week. And then we found that that process was like hugely successful with how well the kids responded to it. And they ended up by the end of the week, they were doing really amazing things and they were really directing in a lot of ways. Like we had these groups that were working on projects, but the kids were directing where the projects were going and knowing they had all these assets of, of these directors who were, who were making these projects with them. Um, and so then after this, after the screening at the end of the week, and I think we had something like 200 people or so show up to the screening. Um, and, and it was just amazing. And the kids were so amazing and, and so proud of the work they'd done. We were also proud of the work that everyone had done. Um, we real, all really just wanted to keep it going and kind of expand on that that idea that we had touched on, that there's something really great about getting professional artists connected with kids and not teaching them how to do what they're doing, but collaborating with them. Um, so so we, we we kind of thought about how we could keep that going and, and realize that doing one camp at a time funded by Kickstarter is not really a sustainable thing and isn't, isn't a scalable, growable model. Because we wanted to scale it, we wanted it to be bigger, um, and definitely wanted it to be better, we, we kind of decided to, to find better funding ideas and to be able to grow. Um, and, and so we filed for our, our nonprofit status about two months ago in the state of California, so now we're officially a nonprofit, and we're pending on our tax-exempt status right now. And we have a board of directors, and we're doing that whole thing. But the basic idea is to is to grow the program. Um, and I heard I, I was actually listening to your guys' interview with Dugan O'Neill, who is one of the counselors um, from the camp, and is a really good friend of mine. And um, he was saying that a big part of why we called it OMG Everywhere instead of OMG Cameras Everywhere, um, the week was called OMG Cameras Everywhere, which the Daniels came up with, and then. Um, we kind of changed the name to OMG Everywhere, both because of the domain name being available for the website, um, but also because um, we want it to grow. We, we want it to not just be about cameras, but to be about other arts in general and, and a, a greater window into arts education. So um, some of the bands that we worked with, even this last summer, and some other friends of mine have been really interested in doing a music production one, which we would really like to do, and maybe tie that into doing a music video camp. Huh. And um, yeah, so we so we have ideas of really having it be this bigger thing that's about artists and kids collaborating together. I, I read somewhere that some of the kids were also used in Hero Mirai's Scissor Sisters video. Um, is it going to be the same kids, or are you going to be introducing more kids? Uh, you know, in in the future camps, or or how's that going to work? Uh, we're trying to figure it out right now. I mean, we definitely want it to be available to whoever wants to be a part of it as much as we can offer. Um, and, and also would like the organization as much as possible to develop into more of a community instead of just these one-off camp kind of things. Um, so we really want the kids who are a part of it from before to be involved with the directors who are, who are doing stuff with it um, and to have, have those, those kids feel like it's part of the community. And those, like I said, like I want those directors who are a part of it also just as much to feel like they're part of this community who are doing this. Um, but at the same time, uh, on the flip side of it, we definitely want new kids all of the time. And I think a lot of the camps um, specifically will be new kids each time. Um, so, so yeah, we're really, we're, we really like that idea that it's a community and that it's, it's about directors, working directors and aspiring um, artists 
kids, whatever, to be collaborating together. Um, we don't want it to end up being like a casting session for kids who, who, <laughs> who are part of it, especially in L.A., um, but, but we really do want to foster a community um, both here and New York and elsewhere. So this coming summer, we're going to be doing three um, sessions, at least one in L.A. and one in New York, and then we've gotten invited to send a group of directors out to Cincinnati. Um, there's a modern art museum there and it's doing a music video retrospective actually. And uh, um, the curator of that, this great guy, Jonathan Wells, um, invited us to come out and do a session of the camp there. So we're trying to figure that out right now. That's awesome. I have not heard of this music video retrospective. We'll definitely check that out. <laughs> I'll, I'll forward you some info about it. I think it goes, it, the, the retrospective itself, I think, goes up in March, end of March, and it's going to be up for about six months. Awesome. Um, but it's, it's going to be amazing. You guys, you guys will freak out. Nice. And uh, one of the one of the things that may have brought uh, some some people's attention to OMG Everywhere, uh, who m- might have not heard of it before, was the video that you guys, or that the kids actually uh, directed for 303. And uh, right. 303 is a group that you have a lot of history with. Um, I wonder if you could talk a bit about that history, because the first video that you directed was, was for 303, correct? Uh, yep, definitely. And you, um, So, go for it. I was going to say that you have one of the best and most entertaining sort of like first director videos out there, the, ho- the holler to you pass out video. Um, Thanks, man. <laughs> and, and, I don't so, know if I'll ever be able to make a music video as good as that one ever again. <laughs> My whole life is trying well, it's, to get it's, back to that moment. I mean, it's just interesting that you kind of got, I mean, you you were friends with, uh, I believe, Sean Foreman of 303 and, and started working with them kind of on, on, you know, before they really hit it big and then have continued to work with them, um, you know, after that. And, uh, yeah, we're wondering if you could talk a little bit about that process of, you know, how you got initially involved with them and how that relationship has grown. Totally. Um, so Sean and I were on a third grade basketball team together. Um and at the time, he was terrible at basketball, but basketball's kind of been a thing that's gone throughout our, our friendship. And um, I was really good at basketball in third grade. And then by the time we got to high school, that relationship had totally flipped, um, and he was really good. Um, but we kind of ended up being reconnecting, so to speak, or becoming really good friends after high school, actually. Um, he was going to school at the University of Colorado, where he met Matt, the other kid from 303, and I was back home in, in Boulder for the summer from college. And at the time, um, I, I was actually doing physics uh, in school and uh, did, some, did some film stuff here and there, but definitely wasn't planning on, on being a director or, or continuing to make movies like I did in high school. And um, we, Sean and I actually started this other band that summer, and we were doing that, but he had started 303 with Matt, and that totally blew up in Boulder over the course of that summer. And so by the end of the summer, um, we were all sitting around one day, Sean and Nat and I, and they were like, hey, it would be really cool to make a music video for one of these songs. Um, and we all thought it would be just like a fun thing to do. And so we kind of like all three sat around, came up with the idea, which was like heavily influenced by the old Beastie Boys music videos and that rap at the camera kind of rap, old school rap video aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of having a posse of girls or anything like that in it, uh, we thought a fun twist on it would, and, and based on the resources we had, which weren't a lot of pretty video girls, um, we just got all of our younger brothers and all of their friends to come hang out for the day. And uh, kind of went from there. Um, their music at the time was like 
super influenced by what Lil John was doing and that that whole sound had just kind of broken out of like crunk rap. And so I think a lot of people were initially drawn to the video because it, that, that video kind of like came out right at the dawn of when YouTube was starting to get big. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember just seeing how amazing it was being able to watch all these thousands of people watch this. And, and you could tell that all of these kids were going to MySpace and listening to the song and then telling their friends, oh, you have to check out this video, too. You'll never believe this. These two white kids in Boulder who are making this. And not just two white kids, but two like cheesy-looking white kids in suits with all their little brothers behind them. Um, and so I think that, for me, that was like, that. so as a first video, it was this really amazing experience of really getting to see people use that as the visual reference for what the band was doing and, and who they were. So that was, that was then. And then I graduated from and had given up on, on doing science, at least for the time being, and came out to Los Angeles with, with 303 and was shooting them on tour out here. And around that time, we shot another music video, and then they got signed to Photo Finish Records, which is part of Atlantic. And then I ended up doing another video for them and some other bands on Photo Finish. Um, and then when that first big album of theirs kind of came out, um, I we ended up Sean and I ended up working on a treatment for a video which then we brought in Nat to have ideas on it and then this guy Travis Kopach who's another music video director and friend of mine um, who had way more experience than I did at the time especially of, of like label and big budget music videos um, and so Travis and I co-directed that first video the Don't Trust Me video um, which which sat around for a while some people watched it some people didn't but then when the song kind of blew up the next year after that um the video did too and that was kind of the start of it all now the the video directed for the 303 kesha song my first kiss is is uh-huh. uh we're big fans of this video because it was actually the, one of the first videos we've seen that kind of changed our mind about uh the song and kind of made us see the artist in a little bit of a different way because i mean the two guys from 303 are so magnetic on on camera and you know it's it's you know, you don't really see that a lot nowadays, especially with, you know, so many music videos around. When you're directing them or, or, or you know, you know, creating music video for them, what is your, uh, you know, what is your role, especially because they're so active and they're so, you, you know, they really do well on camera? Totally, totally. Um, I've never, I, I still, I, I really had got lucky, not just because they're two really great, smart um, amazingly talented musicians who are also really good friends of mine who I kept, keep getting to work on videos with, but um, they're so easy. You you turn on the camera and they're just on. And it was, it, I think it was obvious in the Holler Till You Pass Out video five or six years ago, and, and it's like still the case. Um, I've never worked with another artist who was so just on point and present for camera. So that part's been really easy. Um, and also because they're good friends of mine, the, with those kids especially, every time we go to do a video, um, the treatment comes from me at the end, but it always starts from all of us talking about it. And it's a very collaborative process throughout. And so so it's always really easy by the time we finally get to set, we've all kind of gone over it and talked about it so much. Um, everyone kind of knows what's going on. And so the My First Kids video um, was the same thing, I think, Sean was living in New York at the time and he and I spent a few weeks kind of talking about what videos we liked, what we did, what we wanted to do with that song specifically because it's such a 
um, in your face pop song. It's like such a pure pop song. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think at the time I had kind of rediscovered that movie Speed Racer, which I don't know if you guys saw the Chastity <laughs> Brothers movie, <laughs> which I had initially just been like, I'm never going to see that movie. And then like, I think it came out on DVD or whatever. And, and it, it was just awesome um, in, in a totally cheesy, over-the-top pop kind of way. Just like layers and layers and layers of everything in focus and bright, saturated colors and these like crazy comic transitions. And I kind of I, I made Sean sit there and watch the movie with me, and that's kind of where the treatment started from. And so, uh, you know, you've, you've, you know, just within your work with 303, you know, you've had a variety of, you know, you've had a kind of an underground success kind of, viral video in Holler Till You Pass Out, all the way to a video that was, you know, nominated for a video music MTV VMA. And uh, so I was wondering, you know, within that and beyond, uh, you know, how you gauge a video's success, um, you know, what, what, what makes a video successful to you? Is it views? Is it, is it just something that's more internal? How, how, do, you, how do you consider a video successful? Uh, I don't know. There's so many different things that go into it. Um, I think, like like you said, like the Holler Till You Pass Out video, I don't know if I'll ever get back to that pure feeling of just having people who are around me being like, oh, I saw this video and this thing is really great. And like everyone was just super excited about it. And like it was before any sort of professional anything had come into the picture and any label or anything. It was such a pure, fun thing. I wouldn't even say it was like an, a pure artistic thing even. It was just fun, you know? And... So that to me was incredibly successful, like emotionally, and and getting the first like ten thousand views on that to me felt like I could not believe ten thousand people had watched this thing, um, which now you know like the the scale of the number of views that these things are getting these days is is, is it pale, that pales in comparison. But at the time, it just blew my mind. And um, but then but then yeah, I don't know. So so both the Don't Trust Me video and the and the my first kids videos, those were both nominated for VMAs, and so that I think on the flip side of it, like with the 303 thing, was really other people like peer wise. I think think that's really successful. Although to be honest, like not if you're not in a technical category in the VMAs, it, it more has to do with the artist and the song, and and MTV essentially is functioning as a radio station with videos attached. Um, so it had very little, I think, to do with anything that I was doing other than not totally failing it. Um, <laughs> but those, those, those felt really good, too. But there, I don't know. There's certain videos that you're just really proud of what they are as, as more of an artistic creation. And, and the 303 ones have always been really fun because that's where their music comes from. Um, but I think that, like, to me, one of the more successful videos I've gotten to do has been you know, that video that I did for Atmosphere, which I think successful in a different way in the sense that I think like it emotionally really hits home and it was for it was driven towards this like greater cause of, of awareness for domestic abuse and, and I'm really proud of the fact that so many people have seen that and that we have we have the hotline to call if you're having if you're in a situation or someone you know is in a situation like that at the end of it and if you actually go through and look at the YouTube comments for that video I usually hate looking at comments on YouTube and I'll still check back in on that video every like two or three days because the comment section is essentially turned into a sounding board, not just for people being like, I love atmosphere, but also people talking about like, I was in a situation like that or someone I knew was in a situation like that. And so that's a different kind of success to me. That's separate of, of view counts or anything like that. 
And is there a different is there a different approach when dealing with a video like that? I mean, you know, 303. There's a lot of you know fun and and uh, bright colors and stuff like that. And and then in, in the atmosphere video, it's a you know a lot more sensitive issue and it's a lot more heavy of a subject. Uh, do you approach videos differently when you deal with with different subject matters? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I think part of it is just the amount of narrative that's involved in the video, but. Um, also, of course, like the subject matter, something like that video where it's much more of a of a delicate subject matter, or or this video that I did fairly recently for this band, Ockerville River, which I don't think is is delicate in the same way, but is a much more kind of sensitive, nuanced narrative that's involved in it. Um, you, you're paying attention to different things, and different things are important for for every project. I think you can kind of take any video and say like the one or two things that are really what the video is about at its core and try to focus on those. Um, and a video for, for 303, I think it is, is about something different at its core than, than some of these other videos. So, like I said, with the OMG stuff, I think one thing that's really amazing about music videos these days, especially is that it's grown from just being essentially a commercial platform for a record into being, that and, and, and much more in a much different way with the internet, especially. And how, how so? Is it, uh, because I mean, that's something that we, you know, think about a lot and talk about a lot on, on the show, the way that music videos have sort of grown in the last five or so years. What sort of, I mean, what sort of freedom in your work do you think that you have that you wouldn't have if you were making them in the 1990s uh, and didn't have that, that internet release? Um, I don't even know if it's about the internet as creating freedom in the work, but it's it's created a platform for what what people are making as music videos, um, which are essentially like short short films that are tied into music much more. Because mm-hmm. um, you look around the landscape, and there's still plenty of very like traditional music videos in the sense that it's just narrative that's shot, or sorry, just band performance that's shot in an interesting way or or like artist performance mixed with narrative which i think were the two original forms of music videos it's really about showing the artist and then tying an image to that that would help sell the record but there's so many more things going on nowadays that still involve involve the artists in a lot of ways but also just so many of these things that are called music videos but they're they're essentially just like musically influenced short films you know mm-hmm. um to the extent that that a lot of them have diegetic sound and even have breaks in the music and and even without either of those elements are like heavily based more in the narrative than the song in a lot of ways um so so i think that that i, I mean like one thing that i thought a lot about is that like music videos have really opened up the world to short films in a way that I don't think existed before and, and have been the main thing driving platforms like Vimeo and YouTube to getting these, this kind of like viewership viewership of acceptance, sorry, viewership acceptance of, of things that are, you know, three or four minutes long in which you can really tell a story um, and not just like 30 seconds of Charlie bit my finger. Although we 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 shouldn't uh, knock Charlie Bitter bit my finger. It's sort of a titan of our of our cult, oh, cultural uh, heritage. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, no. I, and all due respect to Charlie. Um, you know, and to that point with the with the narrative, you know, one of the things we also wanted to ask you about was the 
you know, the narrative tie between the two Ready Set videos that you've done, the Love Like Woe and More Than Alive. Um, and that's something that, that was really interesting to us. We don't, we actually haven't seen that before. And if people haven't seen it, there's sort of a, a I mean, one video picks off where the other one went off in a sense. They share elements and, and they're not two, two separate things. How did that come about? Um, well, so, so when I actually met with, there's a helicopter, I guess. <laughs> um, I actually met with Jordan, who, who is the Ready Set, um, because his manager is a friend of mine. And I had done a, a string of music videos. Um, at the time, all of the videos that come out for this artist never show, never. Um, and, and they share, they're friends, and they're, and they're from a similar musical background, and they share the same manager, this guy Dave Conway. And, and he introduced me to Jordan, and we kind of just started talking about ideas to do for that video from way back. It was, like, I think, like, six months before we ended up even shooting it. And I had this dream. I think a lot, a lot of, like, the nuggets for ideas I have, like, come from the, the rare times where I wake up with a dream still in my head. And I had this dream about these, these monster things that were chasing me that had these, like, glowing laser eyes. And it just <laughs> it, it was an image that had been, like, stuck in my head. And... So I, I kind of was talking to him about that, and I think we were both really keen on doing something that played against what the and anything that really came from the lyrics of the song and how poppy the song was. Uh, and so we kind of rolled with that, this idea that there was this this renegade group of people who had somehow survived the like generic-ish zombie apocalypse and were hiding out in this cabin, and then the zombies like came after them, and they're there's this weird tension between the zombies whose eyes are lighting up, but they're actually like only out at night because of that. And I mean, like, you know, the base narrative, I guess is a little abstract, but I thought it was a really nice visual. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so we built the, the zombie eyes and we, we built this shack and we shot the whole thing in a studio in Brooklyn and, and it was really fun and it went really well. And then, the ready set kind of like blew up and did really well. And, and a lot of people saw the video and, and people were really into it. Um, and then when time came around a little bit later to do another video, uh, when, when we were talking about ideas for it, I kind of went back to the fact that that first video for me came out of this dream. And like, what if he was in this recurring dream in which that was just one of them. And then the, there were other versions of it. Um, and so we kind of came up with this idea of just having this recurring dream happen where he was really trying to like get through, get wake up in his bed and get through his house and just get outside and get away from this, this thing that was happening because that kind of like represented getting out of the dream and he keeps getting stuck in this, this sick cycle where he would either get knocked out or he'd make it through the door and then end up back at the beginning. Um, but we really liked the idea that it, that it tied back to the image that people had associated with the band from the beginning but put a new twist on it. I'm I'm glad um, that uh, the guy from the Ready Set and the guy from Never Shout Never know each other because they were really confusing me. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the it's the do it's the new cool kids do that they've got. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of kids who have very <laughs> finely manicured hair, which is, is something Iowa cannot have. <laughs> Now, uh, before we let you go, I we, I want to ask about the Anthony Green "Get Yours While You Can" video, because if this uh, uh, the week that this podcast is coming out, early February two thousand twelve, this video is just uh, premiering, and the the concept of it is 
very simple, but very, I mean, you, you, your kind of eyes are glued to it from beginning to end. There's all these um, scenes of people doing various things, and there's this guy just laying completely dead cold uh, in the on the floor in the middle of every frame. Um, so I was wondering if you could if you could offer some insight into where this came from, what the what the symbolism of that is. Um, well, again, I, I think part of it kind of came from this dream that I had, and part of it came from um, Anthony when he approached me about the video. I've known him for a few years now, and um, and did another kind of like live video for him uh, a few years ago. And when he approached me about doing a video for the song. He initially didn't want to be in it at all. He wanted it to just be about other things. And one of the things he referenced um, was this video on YouTube for, I forget the band's name, it's Made On or Maybe On. I've never heard of it. It's a DJ, actually, from Sweden, I think. And um, the video, is, it's really great. It's this guy who's doing this choreographed dance routine, and they shot it, blocked off in all of these different locations, um, and then match cut it together. So it's like jumping these different locations, but it's dancing is sync. And then I think a girl comes in and starts doing part of it with him. And that made me rem like go back to those, one of the like first huge viral YouTube videos was that Where in the Hell is Matt? Oh, uh, yeah. You guys remember that? Which do, was yeah. essentially this guy Matt doing this awesome <laughs> dance all over the world, like a hundred countries or something like that. And it's the most awesome thing to watch. And even though you're in like India and Egypt and different parts of the United States and Canada and who knows, like the moon or whatever, all you're watching is this guy doing this goofy dance in the middle of the frame. Like, you don't really notice that you're, like, essentially, like, warping all over the world. And and so I I really liked that aspect of it and, and kind of came back to the idea of, of if you have someone who's lying there dead in the middle of the frame, regardless of anything else that's going on, there's this weird tension that's going to exist between the stuff that's moving and then the person who's like very obviously lying there dead. And, and I liked doing that and, and kind of pitched that idea to Anthony as a way that we could do a video that's really interesting that, that goes to a lot of places and does a lot of really interesting things and has a lot of setups that are fun and really kind of like plays against the, the I think, intensity of the song a little bit, but also has him in it but he doesn't have to do anything and, and it kind of went the idea and we kind of we kind of just went from there um we we shot it in one day i think it was an 18 hour day in which 16 of the hours or so he was just lying on the concrete uh, getting lined up to match and uh he, he was a sport about it I'm, I'm excited to hear that uh, OMG Everywhere is moving into a nonprofit status and and, uh, and expanding. That's awesome. I agree with that. It's uh, and that it's gonna be available to kind of like across the country. Essentially, is uh, is really cool too because uh, that's kind of a rare opportunity, really rare. So. Um, to make that available to as much kids as possible. Pretty sweet idea. And those kids got to hang with 303, who seem like great great guys. Um, but shall we do a little pick of the week action? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready and, and raring. So I guess I'll go first here. Yeah, since I'm so ready, you can go first. Right. Uh, my pick of the week is something that I came across last week. It shocked me a little bit. 
Um, this is uh, Duck Sauce, Big Bad Wolf. And uh, it's directed by Keith Schofield. Schofield. And the song doesn't really have that much to it. It's pretty much wolf sounds and the beat and someone saying the Big Bad Wolf. But it's a catchy song nonetheless. So it's not really a... Um, a uh, traditionally formatted pop song or anything like that, but the video is—it's kind of—it's this is very much in the vein of a kind of a short film where the music is almost secondary. But it's these two guys who, uh, first thing you'll notice about them is their crotches are very large. Um, their pants have obviously been uh, fitted to fit these very large crotches, and they're working at their day jobs. And uh, if they see something that excites them in a certain way then their, uh, their their crotches start howling and then they run away remove their pants and you realize that they have an he actual head where their genitals should be and then they go home after they go to work and they go to a club and you can probably think uh, you know imagine where this is going and uh, and it, it gets weirder from there but uh, the thing I really enjoy about this video is the way this effect is done. I have been trying to figure it out, but I'm completely not sure because they're definitely the the way that the way the effect is done. It really makes it seem like the head is there. I mean, I know that's the effect of of, of effects, but it it, it, it they, whoever did it pulls off pulled it off very well. Um, and um, I also really feel for the two actors or the multiple actors who played the crotches of the various people in the video that have head crotches. Um, I'm not really sure, and again that's something we should check out how this effect was done um, because it is very uh, uh, very effective and probably would not have been, uh, the video would have not have been as effective as it is without that effect being pulled off very well. So that's the duck sauce, Big Bad Wolf. Um, my pick of the week, go check it out and either be uh, delighted or horrified or both that's i think that might be the third or fourth key show keith showfield video we've we've picked we're clearly fans of his um uh another thing that really sells it i think is the actors the main actors the way they kind of like walk and carry themselves as if they actually have a head for their crotch even even the female characters when that comes along yeah a little I bit of physical acting there yeah, and it goes really well. They they all kind of played up really well, and ca casting was good too. Uh, and yeah, Keith Schofield, why don't you come on the podcast? Because we love your work. Come on, come on down. Um, my pick of the week is a video that might. Oh, uh, man. oh man. Uh, this is a, this is this is a video. It's a good video right here. Uh, it's it's um. The the way that we came across this video is is Adam and I are uh, importing music videos from Discogs, um, and Adam knows a little bit more about this than I do. I I'm I'm at a bottom level worker on this stuff. Uh, anyway, um, we're importing a lot of music videos uh, uh, rapidly right now, and 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 a lot of these music videos are ones that we would otherwise have never ever come across. Um, and this video right here and is a uh, wonderful example of that. Um, it's by a band called Taste of Sugar, and the song is Hmm Hmm, uh, and it's from 1988. I don't know who directed it, uh, and it's not because I didn't try. Um, 
Uh, I just couldn't find out. Um, but it's clearly foreign. I don't know what country it is. <laughs> Again, don't not because I didn't try, just because I was unable. I, I don't know. Uh, essentially, it's just like kind of like a you know a, 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 your typical the kind of dance style track from the late 80s uh but it's got kind of like a i don't know interesting vibe foreign vibe <laughs> un unplaceable foreign vibe to it and uh the lyrics are uh you want to suck my blank and then taste some sugar uh kind of back and forth and uh they're just kind of in a smoky kind of dimly lit <laughs> Uh, Sorry, watching draped, this video right now. <laughs> yeah, a smoky, dimly lit, draped room, and uh, in ri in ridiculous kind of glowing clothes. Light. Oh yeah, big strobe light action. Uh, not but very gracefully placed, kind of just right off frame, and uh, yeah, it's uh, just just a really fun, fun, super fun, late '80s foreign uh, weirdo video for you guys to enjoy. After you watched a, a weird contemporary American video that is awesome, watch a weird old 80s style foreign video that's awesome for a completely different reason. Now, because we you, we say so. You have to watch this video because it is just really the epitome of just having absolutely no clue what you want to do with a video and then and then going for it or just taking the very barest of a concept. My favorite part of the video is, like you said, it's a smoky draped room. And the first shot of it is of these, I guess these four people, or how many people lined up, you know, how like, you know, you have people do the dancing where, where they're all lined up in a line, they'll be the arms, you know, they're all kind of dancing together. And they, uh, kind of move into this line here where they're all like ineptly waving their arms like and they're the, trying to like achieve yeah. some kind of cool <laughs> arm effect but really it just looks like they <laughs> it just looks like they like some kind of like weird like like homeschool prom where only four people got invited <laughs> and but the whole video is you after the first like 10 seconds you're like this can't be the whole video and it is it's just shots of them just like, and they're not even dancing. They're like woodenly flailing their arms around. Yeah, now we, yeah. Now we need to make this a mission of the podcast Track to down find that. out who these people are, why this video was made, and get somebody from this video to talk to us on the podcast. I have a feeling we'll be reaching into the deepest, you know, behind the iron curtain for that. But has, then, it's worth it. It feels worth it. Oh, it totally is worth it. Um, but I, I believe, uh, I believe those are two very solid picks of the week, and I enjoy, I enjoy Taste of Sugar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or I went, mm-hmm, very mm -hmm. much, that's H-M-M, H-M-M. Not to be confused with Crash Test Dummies, mm-mm-mm, which is a different song, which also, also a has great a great video, yeah. Very good video, which may come up again mm -hmm. one day. Well, that's it for this episode of Music Video Land. You guys don't know, but I'm waving. <laughs> My name is Adam, Adam Fairholm, uh, and uh, with me is Doug. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's uh, at FilmedInsert, all one word. And, of course, visit us at FilmedInsert.com. 
Uh, the beta is still open. Come uh, uh, sign Come up. Come on in. Start adding some videos, helping us, helping us expand the database. We're adding new things every day, and uh, it's really growing, and we're getting excited about where it's going. So uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, go ahead and rate it and uh, review on iTunes. definitely know how to work lay camera that's a horrible that's a horrible um analogy uh yeah you're yeah i agree